All right, uh, Exodus uh, 14 is where we're going to be tonight. And I know it's been a long day for many, and try to be mindful of time tonight, and just give you something the Lord's laid on my heart. I'd, I trust that He'll give you something uh, from the message, and uh, we're going to kind of look at a uh, 40,000 feet up. Uh, kind of message through this um, this passage, but hopefully we can get into uh, a few things that uh, draw out some things that we can learn from it, and uh, hopefully be a help to you. Um, and uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter number 14, and we're going to uh, pick up reading uh, at uh, verse number 29. Exodus 14, 29, the Bible says, But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left. Now, you know the story that this is the passage where uh, Mo- uh, Moses had led the children of Israel across the Red Sea. Now, there's doubters that would say, well, uh, this part of the sea was a dry land just north of the Red Sea called the Reed Sea. Uh, and it was more like a marsh type thing. There wasn't a miracle. Uh, they have a problem with that because it says right here they walked on dry land. Now, how do you get dry land out of a marsh? Obviously, they're wrong. God did a miracle here. In verse number 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now, I just want to uh, uh, bring a message to you tonight about what causes the Lord to show up. What causes the Lord to show up? Uh, Brother Brad, if you would, uh, just uh, uh, pray for the message this evening, brother. Father, thank you uh, again for the opportunity to gather. Thank you, Lord, for singing this evening and just getting our hearts prepared to hear from you. Pray, Lord, that uh, Brother Jimmy, Lord, fill with your spirit. Amen. Now, uh, just reading through this last time, I, um, uh, you know, the Bible's an amazing book because you can read it X amount of times and just the next time you read it through, you'll just pick up something that you didn't like the time beforehand. And it uh, could just be life events, or sometimes you're just not wholly focused on the Word of God, uh, or uh, just the circumstances you're facing in, that, in, your, in your life. Uh, it's important to read your Bible daily, uh, because you're going to get something from it daily. Uh, if uh, Christians ate food the way they ate the Bible, they would have starved to death or been malnourished. Um, most Christians, we, uh, we like to eat every day. I, I don't suppose it's a bad idea to feed your soul, feed your spirit daily. Uh, we, uh, we need the Word of God if we're going to be strong in the Lord. And uh, uh, in this passage, um, you know, it, it just stood out to me that uh, we know the story where God shows up here in Exodus where uh, He does a miracle. He parts the Red Sea and it's the world's largest fish tank and they walk on through onto the other side and God closes the, uh, the door or closes the, uh, the waters and, uh, and kills the Egyptians. We know that story. We know how God worked a miracle for them. 
And uh, we know that uh, it's pretty exciting reading, right? I mean, there's passages in Chronicles that tell stories about histories of people that I've never even heard of or met. And uh, maybe not the most exciting part, but we like these parts. You know, uh, but sometimes what we need is the day-to-day grind that that leads to the, the miraculous. Uh, we, we tend to um, read the Bible as if it's a Hollywood movie. In, in other words, we're just supposed to be entertained. And there's parts in the Bible that, uh, uh, that are clues or breadcrumbs, if you will, that we can learn from uh, to see what gets God's attention to, to cause His hand to move. I'd like to see God's hand move, wouldn't you? You know, uh, uh, the, I've been saved for 16 years now, 17 years almost, uh, and in that amount of time, uh, the, the thought that's been on my mind maybe the last six months more than anything is, I just want God's presence in my life with me. I want Him with me. Um, not necessarily even uh, His power so that uh, I can do things and get the credit for it, but I just want God to be with me. I want my, him, my mind to be stayed on the Lord and, uh, and His hand to be upon me. Uh, I want to do something for the Lord. You know, he says, uh, uh, here he says, the children of Israel walked on dry land and the Lord saved them. And Israel saw the great work in verse 31, which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You know, that's, that's some good ground. That's some good ground. That's where we ought to be. What causes us to get to that point, though? Uh, Look back in uh, Exodus chapter number 5, and we're going to point out a few things. And, you know, and um, leading up to that, of course, Moses uh, had a mom that without his mother, Moses would not have been the deliverer that the nation of Israel needed. You know, um, it was because of her sacrifice that uh, she did everything that she could do in her power and turn the rest over to the Lord. You know, she kept Moses a period of time, and uh, when she knew that she couldn't hide him any longer, she put him in the ark and sent him down the river. And uh, because of what uh, his mother did, uh, Moses was reared and raised and became the deliverer for the nation of Israel. You know, you got to wonder that uh, when that child was born and uh, the pressure on the mother at that time where uh, they were to be killed. Those Jewish boys were to be killed. You know, much like today. You know, the devil's always after to steal and to kill and to destroy. Abortion's no new real thing. Abortion in some, in some way, shape, and form has been around since Genesis. And uh, in Exodus, uh, Moses is another example. And the history of the nation of Israel and dealing in the land of Egypt is, is pretty interesting, even backing up into uh, Genesis with, with Joseph. And, uh, of course, uh, Joseph, you know, was sold into slavery. And, uh, and, and in that amount of time, in b- between the, the time that Joseph was sold into slavery and rejected by his brothers, and between there and when he revealed himself back to his brothers... Uh, he went through. He went to jail, and he interpreted some dreams. And uh, the butler and the baker had referred him back to Pharaoh. 
And Joseph comes up before Pharaoh and tells him his dream and uh, gains notoriety because he had the ability to do that and uh, that God had given him that gift. And uh, amazing story, but uh, I had never caught it before this until this last time reading through that. In that, the amount of time that Joseph was rejected, that uh, when he had interpreted that dream, God, or, uh, uh, that Pharaoh of Egypt had given Joseph a, a bride. It was a Gentile bride. You know, it's a picture of Christians, the church. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus Christ was rejected by his brothers, uh, the, the gospel turned to the Gentiles. And because of their rejection, you and I as Gentiles got in on the gospel. And guess what? One day uh, soon coming, that, the, the attention is going to turn back to that nation of Israel and, and Jesus Christ is going to reveal himself to his brethren. You know, God's not done with that Jew. God's not done with that Jew. You know, here you've got Exodus uh, 14 where uh, we just read that uh, you're prior to the giving of the law. You're, they're still under grace, if you will. In Exodus uh, number 5, we're going to read, read there. It says, And afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. You know, what causes the Lord to show up? Well, it's a process. It's a process. And that first part of the process is, begins here in, in Exodus chapter 5. Of course, God uh, convinces Moses to uh, deliver the message to Pharaoh and, and Moses comes up with the excuses. We know these stories and then a uh, roadblock comes in the way when he, when he uh, speaks to Pharaoh and, uh, and, he, and Pharaoh says, I don't even know him. And, and then later on, he, they give him a, a whole bunch of, uh, uh, they, they make their job harder. They expect the same and they give him less material to work with. They add labor to, his, uh, to them. So what causes the Lord to show up? It's a process that begins with something. And it begins with being told no. You know, God's people, a lot of, a lot of God's people right there, they get told no the first time and they're done because they're in it for themselves. You know, um, Moses was to deliver a message and to, to, in order to deliver a people. It wasn't for his benefit necessarily but for the benefit of other people. You know, in Christianity today, a whole lot of it is just me, me, me. Me, me. How does it profit me? How do I get what I want? How does it benefit? Oh, and if I got to go out of my way to benefit somebody else, forget that. You know, I got stuff to do. You know, God is beginning a process in Moses and preparing the children of Israel for something. You know, it's going to be good for you to be told no sometimes. <laughs> Anybody that's ever had a child knows that. You know, God wants to put something in your way just to maybe even see how you'll respond to it. You know, what, what would it take to make you quit? You know, um, maybe just a little test along the way. Can I, maybe God wants to give you something, and maybe something that something might be really important to you. God says no. God says no. You know, I think like uh, Abraham and um, Isaac. 
you know, with um, God tells him, he says, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, your son, your only son. I want you to go to the mount and I want you to sacrifice him. And he takes him up to the top of the mountain and, uh, you know, the whole time you, you got to wonder what Abraham was thinking as, as he went up. He, Lord, I mean, if you would have had somebody had a good excuse, Lord, you're the one that gave me this child and now you're wanting me to kill him to take him away. But what's Abraham do? He just, okay. Takes him up to the top and, and he said, and he's carrying, he's carrying the, the wood. And uh, you got Isaac there, a type of Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus and Abraham gets to the top and God says, I, I just wanted to see if you would trust me. You see, Isaac was an idol to Abraham. You know, that was the son of promise, the, the one that Abraham had pride in. And to, to, uh, there's nothing wrong with having a son. God had a son. But if that son comes between you and God, that that idol's got to be sacrificed. You know, if God were to examine your heart and, and you, could, you can justify it on the outside and say, well, there's nothing wrong with this, but you know in your heart that that thing is between you and God, God wants it. God wants it. Not because he necessarily needs it, but he wants you. You know, if, if you were to be truthful to God, what would he knock on your heart's door tonight and say, hey, and put his finger on? If he told you no. If he told you no. And how would you respond if he told you no? I quit. You know, I, what I like... In this passage, I think God gave Moses a, a beginning the way that he did in part because Moses had to have had the mindset that who am I to give, not only am I unskilled in my ability to speak, but years ago I should have been killed as a child on top of that. My life is not my own. You know, and as a Christian, we, have the, we ought to have the same mentality because you are not your own. You're bought with a price. You know, you and I are just conduits. We're just vessels of the work of God. If you were told no, would you quit? Or if, you were to, if it were to cost you more work to do what's right, would you pay it? You know, Abraham no doubt had to rejoice in the Lord as he came down that mountain. But, you know, I, I think uh, here in, in Exodus chapter number 5 where they had their labors added, I don't know that that was necessarily the same for Moses. Look in uh, Exodus uh, 8, chapter number 8. Exodus chapter number 8 and verse number 24, And the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. He's okay with it. And Moses said, It is not meet to do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord and our, our God. Lo, uh, shall we sacrifice the abominations of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he shall command us. You know, <clears throat> Egypt's a type of the world in the Bible. 
And here you've got Pharaoh that's the leader of uh, the ruler of Egypt. And, and he says, go ahead and uh, uh, worship God. Just stay put right here. And he, he was okay with it. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of religion, a lot of churches that you can walk into the door and have a nice little service and feel good about going to church and, 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 and think that you're doing something that's right. And you're not told the truth the moment you step in. You know, I, I had, uh, I, before, I got, uh, before I came to know Jesus Christ, I went into half a dozen different types of churches. And nobody ever confronted me with the condition of my soul. You know, why was it that I could go to a church and, and hear a rock concert and, and listen to uh, some little dainty message by somebody that was trying to appeal to youth rather than, uh, than say, thus saith the Lord. Uh, he wanted, uh, who knows what his motive was, but it certainly wasn't zeal for God. You know, the, the devil's okay with that. <laughs> he says, go ahead and worship just right here the way that I want you to do it. Go ahead. And you know, the, the, um, the Bible says there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so you've got uh, the, the position of Jesus Christ is right between uh, man and God. He's holy man and holy God. And it's in man's sinful nature to want to replace God, want to be their own God. And if Jesus Christ is the, the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, uh, it's going to be in our nature to make ourselves God. And what I've observed in, in a lot of Christians is, and if you're not careful, we'll, we'll, we all slip into it, is our tendency is to try to make ourselves a mediator. Uh, our tendency is to take things that are opposing views and put ourselves in the middle and say, well, we're the logical middle road. You could take two bad ideas and the middle of the road between two lies is not the truth. The truth is the truth. And as a Christian, we, we, I think the devil's real good about presenting two opposing ideas that are both wrong. And because we, we live in this world, our tendency is to look at two opposing ideas and put ourselves in between those two ideas and, and then come away thinking we're right. And regardless of what the Bible says, <coughs> you know, I can go to church and live for the world. I can go to church on Sundays and uh, don't bother me on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the rest of the week. You know, the devil's okay with that. It's not going to bother him a whole lot. Because although you think you might be doing, your, doing some good, the people around you, the lost people, think you're a joke if that's your mentality. Listen, I saw right through it. I didn't get saved till I was 18 years old. If your mentality is, well, I'm just going to go to church to appease God, your heart's wrong. Your heart's wrong. Now listen, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Look in verse number 28. He says, And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Oh, he's starting to compromise. Only you shall not go very far away and treat for me. He might be okay with you sacrificing. He might be okay with you sacrificing where he says, but don't separate from it. Don't separate. 
You know what God wants us to do? He says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We're supposed to do things different. You know, the way that we do things are different. Uh, the way, there's, as a Christian, <clears throat> you and I should not try to imitate the world in a good fashion. <laughs> uh, we shouldn't try to gloss over what the world does. This is our rule book. This is our rule book. We shouldn't just take the methods of the world and Christianize them and say that that's what Christians should do. You're cheapening the gospel. I'm, I'm, not inter- I, I'm interested in trying to live by the precepts of God's word. And I think you are as well. You, otherwise, you wouldn't be here tonight. But don't deceive yourself into thinking that uh, just because I, I'm, do- I'm using the world's methods, but I'm trying to Christianize them, that that makes you okay with God. The Lord, Moses did not compromise an inch in, the, in, in this process. Why? Because he said, thus saith the Lord. And he reckoned himself dead. He knew that uh, he should have been killed as a child. His whole life was uh, just the mercy of God. And later on, you know, God gets these people to, to the point where they can have no way out but God. Look in Exodus 14. Back to Exodus 14. In verse number 11, <clears throat> And they said unto Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, thou hast taken us away to die in the wilderness. Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? It is not the word that we did tell thee in e- is, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? Slavery. They, they would rather be slaves than to, to the point where God had brought them to. You know, a lot of Christians, something happens in their life and they start blaming God. You know, God brought them to that point in their life. And wherever you're at right now, God brought you there. That God, whatever struggle you're dealing with, God is taking you from point A to point B today. God's brought you there. He's responsible for that. You say, well, what about this bad thing in my life? God. Well, what about this situation? God. He wants to put you in a spot where it's just you and him. And you got nobody else to turn to. You know, up until this point, I, I feel bad for Moses. I, as, as a preacher, I, I can relate to Moses. Uh, up until this point, at first he had to fight God, and then he had to fight Pharaoh the whole time. And now here comes the children of Israel that God told him to fight for against Pharaoh, and they're turning against him. That'd be a pretty lonely position. You know, statistics on that are, uh, they, they say uh, there's maybe a million Jews at the nation that Moses had let out. So here's your one in a million, Moses. Now you can say Aaron and Joshua with him, but one in a million in Moses. You run the stats today, you've got 8 billion people today. That would be 8,000 Moseses that, that God could take 8,000 Moseses and lead them through the promised land and do something with. I don't think God needs that many, but let's just say for that sake, you've got uh, 40, some 47,000 Southern Baptist churches in this country alone. You know, what are we missing? What are we missing? I, now, I, I'm not a Southern Baptist. I'm, I'm a Bible-believing Baptist. I'm an independent Baptist. But I'd figure you at least got 8,000 in this country, statistically. 
You'd think we'd be able to impact a presidential election. You'd think we'd be able to shut some bars down uh, if we were right with God. You know, and Moses led these people here. And that's a tough spot between a preacher because he's got an obligation to obey God in his word and he's got the fight against Pharaoh and he's got the best interest of his flock in, in his mind and they're fighting against him. And still, the, the, he's got the best interest of them at heart while he's, he's also duty-bound to obey God in his word. And you know what a lot of preachers today, will the tendency is to do is just cut the message. Just make it soft. Because I don't want to offend you. And you know what they do is they're... They, the emphasis becomes the emotions of their flock rather than on thus saith the Lord. You know what I, I listen, as a preacher, I can tell you there's stuff that God puts on my heart that, I, I can, that concern me and I can't say what I want to say because it can't be handled. It can't be handled. It would be an offense. And, you know, I, I understand what Moses feels like. And he turns back to the Lord. And, and if you keep reading the passage, the Lord says, why are you crying to me about it? I told you. The Lord doesn't give a, Moses an inch. And, and you would think if anybody had some sympathy, it'd be the Lord for him, right? The Lord says, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you in front of a million people. And it's just you against, Mo, against Pharaoh. And they're going to join in against you. <laughs> You know, that's where a lot of congregations are today. You know, a man comes in, he tries to say, declare thus saith the Lord, uh, because that's what God said, and the congregation gives him grief, and, and then guess what? The man gets discouraged, turns it to the Lord, and, and what's the Lord do? The Lord says, I don't give you any sympathy whatsoever. Do what I told you to do. And what's he do? He says, okay, I'll do what I, what you, okay. But you know what? It, it took a love for the Lord supremely. Now listen, I, there's definitely a balance between love for people and love for the Lord. I wouldn't want to offend anybody on purpose, but supremely, I want to love the Lord. Supremely, I want to love the Lord. You know what God does is He puts them in a spot where they have nowhere else to turn but God. Nowhere else to turn but God. Has he ever put you in a spot like that? You know, maybe you want something. Maybe there's something that you would like to have really bad to the point where you're willing to pay anything for it. I mean, those, the, the nation of Israel got to the point where they said, you know what, the fact that they're coming to kill us, going back into slavery looks pretty appealing right now. I'm willing to go back and do that. Just no more pressure, no more stress, and a life of ease is what they were after. <laughs> a life of ease. You know, relatively, if you, if you, if you say, uh, and they, they go through all these things, and then they remember the leeks and the garlic and the onions, and they remember all those things, but they forget about the bondage and the chains and the slavery. You know what God delivers Christians from their sins and uh, cleans them up and, and pulls, 
pulls down the strongholds in their life and uh, after a while you start to grow in the Lord and start to do something for God and then uh, you start to get shot at from the enemy and you're like, man, that, that old world seems pretty appealing because you forgot the taste of what it felt like to be in the slavery. And the Lord comes along and taps you on the shoulder and says, oh, hey, by the way, remember what I did for you back in the Red Sea and delivered you from? You know, that uh, it shows up in the book of Acts with uh, 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 one of the preachers in the book of Acts, and they said, we're never in bondage to any man. <laughs> they didn't know their own law, their own history. They were so far from removed from it and the, the promises of God that they didn't even remember their own history. And, they, uh, and the Lord delivered them from. You know, the Lord wants to put you in a spot where you got nobody else to turn to but him. You know what? That's an uncomfortable position. And uh, nobody likes to be in that lonely position. But maybe that loneliness is a position that God's put you in for your benefit. You know, I remember uh, <laughs> my wife and I independently were praying. I, I, I prayed for a wife for years. And uh, you probably remember pastor making fun of me for being single for years and uh, but and I, I prayed for a wife, but I always said I'd rather be married. I'd rather be single and lonely than married to an ungodly woman. And I prayed for God to send me a right kind of wife, and I knew it as soon as I saw one. I saw her, and uh, I talked to my wife. And years later, we found out I prayed independently of her and she of me. And I said, Lord, if you want me to be single the rest of my life, I'm okay with that. And I met her. And the Lord did the same thing for her independently of me. And I believe with all my heart that that was an idol in my heart that the Lord had to draw out and just say, I just want to make sure that I'm number one. You know, I, looking back, that was a hard spot to be in, to be lonely. But you know what? I, I love her more today because I love God more. You know, I, got, I have more respect for my wife because I remember what it felt like to be lonely. And I knew what that felt like. And, you know, I, I wanted to rush and just hurry up and make a decision, get out of this uncomfortable spot. But I said, Lord, you brought me here. Lord, I'm going to take this spot and I'm going to turn to you and see what you do with it. Maybe you, you're in a spot like that today where, you know, the Lord put you in a spot where you want to get out of so bad that you're willing to compromise anything in order to do it. Go back to Egypt. Yeah, I'll do that. I just don't want to be right here where you brought me. You know, what causes the Lord to show up? The Lord wants to show up in places where it's just you and him. You know, the uh, Christians, we get it wrong. <laughs> you know, people look at the Bible like a set, a set of do's and don'ts as, as opposed to your best interest at hand. You know, all through the Bible, people point out and they say, well, God is hateful and vengeful in this way and that way, and he's bossy and domineering. But you know what? He, every time you read those passages, it says, do you not remember what I brought you out of in Egypt and I did for you and I showed you I loved you and I did this and I did... He earned the right to tell you what to do. And he earned it on Calvary. Just this past time, and I'm done with this, the <coughs> passage in um, uh, Exodus where... Um, 
you had uh, the ox that would get out from his master, and, they, and, and the law was said that uh, if that ox had previously pushed against a man, that if that ox got out and killed a man, that they were to kill the owner. Now, I thought that was pretty harsh, right? Like, well, ox are dumb animals, right? I mean, they're, they're you know, big, they're not probably the smartest animals, but they're, they're uh, you know, they're a big animal. They could easily get out and hurt somebody, right? But I, 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 I thought about that, and I said, well, that, the man, the, that owner knew that that animal was dangerous, and he is therefore responsible for that animal. Okay, that makes sense. If I had a dog that I knew was dangerous and had bit people, if I didn't do anything to protect that dog and that dog hurt somebody, I'm responsible. And that's the idea, right? And you know, I thought about that. I thought, you know, Jesus Christ was the perfect fulfillment of that law. And I never thought of it like that. Jesus Christ made man and man in his sinful nature had violated the law. And because that Jesus Christ had to become that sin because he made them, that he had to fulfill the law by dying for that man. And listen, that's the gospel. The, the, the fact that Jesus Christ loved you and he fulfilled the law by giving himself for you. You know, he's earned the right to tell you and I what to do. You know, when does God like to show up? And he, he likes to show up when he puts you in a spot where you got nobody else to turn to but him. Listen, that, that spot, if you got nobody else to turn to but him, is a good spot. Don't rush to get out of it. Turn to the Lord in that spot, and he'll deliver you. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we uh, come before you this evening. Just want to thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray and ask that, um, Lord, you'd help us to consider these matters. And, Lord, um, the spots that you put us in, and, uh, Lord, they're pretty uncomfortable sometimes, and I don't make light of that. They, some are pretty rough. Uh, but, Lord, you brought us to those spots, and, God, we pray that uh, you'd show up in some of our people's lives, and, Lord, make yourself real to them and uh, make yourself known to them. We love you, and we thank you. Lord, help your people. In Jesus' name, amen.